My name is Ian Austin, and this is Friday Night Shudder. And after last week's episode on Black Lake Episode 1, this week's episode is about Black Lake Episode 2. So what are you waiting for? Get hyped. Join the 402 Listen Club and get ready for the new episode. Just come up in just a few tips of a lamb's tail. Previously on Black Lake, wait a look. Ignore the previously packaged that show gives you. Don't pay any attention to what show claims happen. Go with my recap of episode one, you goddamn heathens. Because you know my recap is the best recap you must have for this show. Anyway, right away, I call shenanigans as Harney, F1's favourite lead character, runs away from cellar door to inform Johan it's open. Look, that's not how last episode ended. The episode ended with Harney going towards the cellar door, entering the cellar, and it cutting away with her seeing something horrific and wanting to explore more. Did not end for running away from door, or even hinting that she was going to run away from door. It's something that Prison Break used to do all the time and used to infuriate me. You get a great cliffhanger and then immediately in the next episode it will be undone. And that's annoying enough on a 22 episode a year TV show. This is 8 episodes. You tell me she could have gone down in cellar and then come back up. Maybe that would have been fine. But she literally runs away from it. This, that's not how last episode ended, that's not what it implied, and this shit isn't rational, it should not be open to interpretation based on whoever makes the next episode. Anyway, rant over. Honey waits Johan, and they explore. I get sense in this show I'm going to say words they explore a lot, because they, they do explore a lot. I mean, that's what they do. They like exploring and investigating. So they go back to the cellar door, and they find out the door's shut. And at this point, I'm thinking, holy shit, how can Holly prove what's going to happen? This is going to create a dynamic between them for the next four or five episodes. And then they both look at the camera. No, no, not that camera. The other camera, the one Johan set up. And they watch the back footage with Frank and Justin, whose eyes still really fucked up and gross. And they find out the door was never open. But then they find out it was. And then it's shut. It's safe. Ooh. And now it's time for the scenery porn credits. We cut back, or fading rather, as we find Johan and Frank, two dudes, walking in the snow to everyone's favourite character, Eriki. Johan knocks on the door, finds Eriki opening it, and says, Eriki, my friend, it's time to shoe up. Eriki refuses to shoe up, and also refuses to believe that there's a racket in the cellar, as no one has lived in that cellar for years. Also, he doesn't even have a key. And Johan's warning signs aren't going off again. How do you hang out with this guy Eriki in any sort of social context and not think there's something really shifty about you? Eric is mortified when Johan questions the veracity of his words and tries to slam the door, but Johan stops it with his foot. Before they can discuss ethics in compute video game journalism, Frank plays in misery and then the scene ends. Horse dick, fucking tosser, says Johan. That sure is a sentence, and that's one thing I like about his show is 
because it's in Swedish, translate to English, you get a lot of those weird sort of like sentence fragments. Frank and Joanne come to the conclusion that someone came up from cellar. Hang on a second, sorry. Right, so your new theory, Frank, and your new theory, Johan, is someone came up from cellar. Right, okay. If that's the case, fine. The door did open from the other side. I agree with that. I'm completely with you on that point. But if someone came up from cellar, how come you don't see anyone? How come you don't see anyone go back down cellar? Simple. Because it's a stupid theory and it doesn't make any sense. Look, if characters in the show won't play the theory game, that's their prerogative. This show is already made before I watched it. Can't change any of it. But at least have some decent theories, because that's a load of shite, mate. If I saw that theory online, I would laugh and I would downvote in a second. Later on, Johan undresses while talking about handling Eriki's red hands. Sometimes the jokes write themselves. He's ignored by Honey, who says that she heard crying. She's always bringing everyone down, Jesus Christ. Joanne says there was no crying. And then he blames the, it, the entire scenario of events happened in the last episode on the wind, or possibly Frank. As you do, it's always the wind, or it's always Frank. Honey refuses to turn the light off. We get a terse goodnight shared between them, and then they both go to sleep. I'm really not feeling the one true parent, these two, by the way. Shot of someone with a lot of keys, and at this point, we all have to say in unison, Jacuzzi! Now it's time for scenery porn of post-apocalyptic Sweden. And man, I tell you, if you're ever in post-apocalyptic wasteland, you should hope it looks like Sweden, because holy shit, it looks fucking wonderful. They've clearly had a nasty apocalypse, but they've recovered nicely, and there's so much snow. Jess Sands leading... I really am struggling with the character names at this point. It's not hit by fat. No, Erdrong, I took shirt, my shirt off after work and forgot I had a pen in it, so I've stabbed myself up the arm with the pen. But I am a pro. This is a podcast. I'll do it anyway. Anyway, Jesson leads these bunch of ragtag rebels. Um, Oswald is there. Um, Holly's sister's there. Um, I think Elian, Ellie... Eileen from last episode and fuck knows who the rest of these people are Skeen's the pits apparently it's not something anyone should want to do your entire show is setting a fucking ski lodge don't down talk skiing when your entire premise relies on people thinking it's a valid path to a nice solid weekend don't smack talk it it's like usa high saying oh usa sucks and so do american high schools you don't want to admit it that's the whole point of your show that's the gimmick it's a gimmick guys justine shows up if you remember he's part of the dub back with dag on a snow bike and propositions a lion with a flask of gulabob oswald drinks his own girl pop and does not care for it and that mm, girl pop references straight from the late 90s early 2000s so i apologize if some of you are listening to it and thinking what the fuck is he talking about i don't know half time either actually wait no it's not a lying he's talking to honey what am i doing i don't oh why would a lion be asking for information on dead family? 
Anyway, Justine says no, who ask around again, despite the fact that he did that and it really didn't go anywhere. Oswald makes a concerned comment about hypothetical shower camera. That's a very pointless scene. And Joanne's watching camera footage. He ignores Frank worrying about Norwegians in the background. Frank's a bit racist, because you remember in the first episode he said no, he's hoping they wouldn't wind up in Norway. What's this got his problem with Norwegians? Is it Swedish things? People from Sweden don't like Norwegians and vice versa? Or is it just pointing out that one character in this group has to be racist because by process of elimination in this day and age at least one member of the group has slight racist intonations. Joanne decides to vent his anger by talking about Honey's brother, Jacob, who drowned in a boating accident when he was 10 and about how Honey is shoot crazy. And he was told not to fuck crazy, but he not only fucked crazy, he proposed to crazy. Now drugs have turned into a zombie. Tuned out, as I'm sure we all are, Frank shrugs out vagaries. He doesn't really seem to give a shit. And then he laughs like he's really high and points out how stupid the camera idea was. And then Joanne laughs. And we get a scene of two characters in the TV show who came up with this plan for the camera, laughing about how stupid the plan was in the first place, ignoring that most of this episode revolves around the knowledge that the camera is there and using it for dramatic tension. And your two characters are pointing out how shit the idea was. What is going on in this show? I love it, but jeez, jeez Louise, people. Anyway, Joanne's phone rings. He answers it, and he's concerned by what he hears. And we get the sound effect of concerns, which is... Or something to that effect. I've already got it. So we got back Honey's sister, and you know, screw it. I'm calling her Bonnie at this point. Bonnie and Honey. Because I'll never remember a name otherwise. Probably forget from next week's episode anyway. But from right now it's Bonnie. She walks in the snow. Then she walks inside. She hears noises. A cellar door opens. Except it's the study door. Ooh, see, I can trick you. Because you're probably not watching along. So you have no idea what's actually happening. You, I could be making all this up. How would you ever know? I'm not. Maybe I am. Ha ah. ha ha. <laughs> Bonnie walks in the study and then leaves the study the frame widens to show Oswald hiding like a big fat potato boy he gulps she's really really strange the next day in Lion it spouts Darwinism as Oswald fucks around water and both cereal we get strongest versus fetish connotations as it's Quickly becomes the new analogy versus metaphor debate. Talk turns to refugees and genetic programming. I'm feeling very uncomfortable at this point. Hongi rambles about dead babies until Johan walks in. He says he isn't hungry. He's just spoken to his lawyer. I love the weird sentences they have in this show. He he's mentions that someone else is bid for the property. Uh, wait, sorry. At this point, cut 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 back a bit. In the last episode, they revealed that Yona is dead. So technically, no one owns this property. The state owns this property. In which case, if the state owns property, surely there's an easier way for Johan to bid for it than he's doing. But he's not bid for it yet. Or if he has bid for it, he hasn't won because Yona hasn't verified his bid. But some else can bid. So they might win. But that's not how it works. Like, surely the state or someone 
I mean, in previously packaged, they implied that there's a vendor in different countries, but that dialogue was not in the first episode. I know I checked. So they added that, but that's not continuity. You, you can't change the timeline. I do not understand why Johan does not own this place outright. Oswald points out it's strange in a weird way that would attract incredible attention, and Johan accuses him of collusion. The scene just ends. Hongi refuses to go skiing because it hurts. She doesn't elaborate and Johan doesn't push. The others take to the skis as you do. Hongi runs to Justine, who has some new information that he's got in space for like seven, eight hours. Turns out Mr. Cop, you remember from 996 from the start of the first episode, his real name is Broman. Broman. I love this show. I respect that so much. He lives on the other side of the mountain. Of fucking course he does. Justine offers to take Honey, but she and then she puts his helmet on and hops on as Justine presses the throttle. Sometimes the jokes write themselves. Scenery porn as Justine rides her across the mountain. Johan compliments Elias off piste. A sexy ski montage ensues because I don't know about you, but when I watch a show like this, I want a sexy ski montage. Broman is happy to see strangers inquiring about a dead family from 996. They've gone visit Broman, by the way. That, that whole cross mountain thing, that was just to justify the sexy ski montage throughout the transition between scenes. He goes, Broman goes in detail about how family died holding hands. He suspected Hesky, who went mad and then drowned. It's like a motif. Jack, Jack of drowned and Hesky drowned. Hesky rambles on tape, or rambled on tape, as Broman likes to show off his collection. Hongi asks to borrow tape, but Broman suddenly realises he's police officer and this isn't strictly illegal, and also this shit's classified. How is it classified? It shouldn't have it, but it's not classified. It's not a matter of national fucking security. It's just a guy named Hesky murdered a bunch of kids. He says, he says Hong is silly, so, so silly. They're classified. Broman finally asks why she's interested. When you ask this at the start of the scene, Hongi asks him why Hesky how Hesky drowned if he was in custody at the time. Oh shit, that's a really good point. I can't wait for the explanation. But we don't get one as Hongi insults his coffee. Broman demurs and then offers her biscuits. I'm sorry, wait a second. Has this scene been written backwards? He they talk about coffee and biscuits. Surely that's the start of the scene. Building up to them having their big debate over classified footage. Not the end of the fucking scene. So anyway, Hongi goes off to the bathroom. It's Justine sat there looking very confused. I'm with you, mate. I have no idea what's going on. That scene seems to be written backwards. They return to the lodge and the two of them say goodbye to each other. And there's more chemistry between these two than there is between Hongi and Johan, by the way. Hongi decodes and then goes exploring. I hate that word, exploring. It, last week was investigates, this week's explore. We have to consult Fiosaurus and come up with a different fucking word for the random walking shit they do. Because it's most this fucking show. Anyway, this seems riveting. Is Hongi enters the study. She looks at bookcase, finds no clues. She looks in a drawer, finds no clues. She finds a business card with Hesky written on the front, or emblazed on the front. Hongi says his name out loud with reverence. 
Moving her box, she finds the TV and reveals that she's Star Tate from Broman. Holy shit, you're going to regret that. On TV, we see Broman interrogating Heskey in 1996. The skiers return. Johan offers jo- Jessen a spa rubdown. She says no, so Johan says to Frank that sex is awaiting him in the near future. I don't think you should become fortune teller, mate. I'm just going to say that. Hongi's listening to Heskey's exposition on the ski lodge. Turns out it's a sanitarium in the 1950s that he renovated to much trouble. Broman asks him to stay on point as he just wants to know about the fucking murder. Heskey mentions he had shit to do, but Johan enters before we can get specifics of what shit was. Hongi fesses up to Johan. Johan isn't happy that he's engaged to a zombie thief. Also, he's very concerned that Hongi faked an ailment to get Afghan's skin. She says she didn't, then apologises anyway, which kind of confirms that she did and she knows she did. Joanne doesn't care about mystery because he says Heskey was a nutter. Hongi, clearly concerned about her own mental health issues, doesn't buy it. And as Joanne leaves, she watches more tape. It's night time. Frank and Jessen have more sets. If my toilet goes off in the background. Ariki lurks in, in the ski lodge. He finds fresh crayon premonitions in the playroom. The cellar door opens again. Seeing them typing, I'm writing those way too often. Say a door opens again, opens and shuts so often at this point. Not even scary. It wasn't scary stuff with, but certainly not scary now. Joanne insults the virtues of ski lodge's dad in an unconvincing way. Also, he feels he proposed to Homie, and she said yes. The love between these two is palpable. Then he says the exact same thing again, slightly differently, with even less enunciation and emotion. Okay. He claims to love his dad, then hands up. If this guy's not a very good actor, he's done a great job playing an emotionally blank human being, and then criticising his partner for being emotionally blank. Frank is passed out on bed. He waits to find Jessen staring at the wall. She walks off when he approaches, so he follows. She stops by the cellar door and walks into playroom to reveal that she made the drawings holy shit that paid off so quick and i'm so glad because if this shit's like lost that'll take four years to pay off and no one give fuck at the end of it this show straight to the point pay that shit off ask new questions great really happy with that genuinely happy it's what i like about this show it moves like a rocket sled except for the fucking cellar door what's in the cellar I want to know what's in the cellar. And I've got six episodes left. And I, I hope they're not going to drag out for too long. But I think they might. Anyway. Jessen draws without looking at the paper. Like a boss. She's... Oh, it's so cool. But it's really creepy at the same time. Then she waits from her trance. Jessen seems oddly nonplussed by what's just happened. I think this woman's experimented for love drugs in her life. On tape, Heskey reveals he got planning permission from Scarlett Johansson, Brie Horse Whisperer, of course, and they both saw the lodge's potential. I like that. I like it when you're working with someone and you're both working to the same standard and goals and you both see something that the other sees and you decide to invest in it. Clearly, the relationship between Heskey and young Scarlett Johansson was a very friendly one. 
Only fast forward through this complete amount of bullshit that doesn't mean a goddamn thing, except for the fact that clearly Johansson's going to come in play, not Scarlet, the Johansson they're actually referring to. Honey's just not smart enough to realise it. She stops as Heskey headbutts the table and we get Broman calling for aid on tape. Joan watches his own footage and then angry shuts the laptop as the music goes batshit insane. Oh man, what's he seen and what's it going to mean for these ragtag bunch of rebels? Heskey on tape says that he murdered Johansson's. It was easy. He strangled father while he was asleep. The mother was weak and kids were small, very small. So he strangled them, both of them. They were small. Right, that's great, mate, but what I won't know is, were they small? You're not giving me much information here, mate. Heskey sat the kids beside each other because they wanted to be beside each other. But he didn't want to murder anyone. He did not want to murder anyone. He did not want to murder anyone. And he maintains he did not want to murder anyone. Know how we know he didn't want to murder anyone? Because he keeps repeating it for like 30 seconds, then starts head on the table. We've all had days like that work. We've all had day like that where you just need to repeat the same thing over and over again. Head up the fucking table. <laughs> uh, Johan storms into Oswald's room, then makes him watch the footage, which shows Oswald approaching the cellar and going inside. Oh shit, I knew it, you fat potato man, you. Yeah, you dumb fat potato boy. You tracksuit wearing potato boy. You're, you're a killer, aren't you, Oswald? You're a fucking killer. Joanne reveals that Oswald was there for an hour. Oswald claims amnesia. Joanne says, bullshit, objection, claiming Oswald wants to buy the lodge. Wait, 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 what, wait, what? Sorry, hang on a second. Surely there's more things to be concerned about than Oswald in the lodge when he's the one being hiding in the cellar for no reason whatsoever. Because it's not like he's convincing people not to stay at the lodge. No one seems to give a shit. You've jumped a lot, mate. And I think this, Oswald's acting this scene, the guy who plays him, is fantastic because it's clearly hinted with the slight thread of, you moron, you've reached the right conclusion, but with the wrong hypothesis. No, the right hypothesis, but wrong conclusion. Oswald says he has bad eyes and has to lie down. And that calms Joe. That calms Joanne down completely. He calls Joe hang out on his bullshit. The two of them bro out and agreeing that they will not tell Hanny about this. Joanne, you just got fucking played by the master, yo. <laughs> Hongi goes to make phone call to Justine. She says that she's watched the Heskey tape. <laughs> We've all watched the Heskey tape. And asks if Dad knew Heskey. Justine says that he didn't. So Hongi thinks Heskey was scary and accuses Eriki of being a lurker. Justine says maybe it's a miling. Which, according to Sammy Myth, is a dead child, turned spirit, and wants to steal a soul. You either take your soul, or you have to give someone else's up, and we'll take theirs. Hongi finds Jessen's fucked up drawings, and we get one for the dead family. She really understands how messed up that is, but I suppose Jessen isn't leaving her like tag on them or anything. So, from that tense scene, we cut to sexy hot tub party time! Frank and Jessen discuss dank weed and a bit of ecstasy. And then they take some ecstasy with a bit of beer. It's party time, yo. Dancing ensues. 
Bonnie and Elian ramble more about Darwinism, and I'm just thinking at this point, I know it's a motif, I know it's foreshadowing, but can you both shut the fuck up, please? Bonnie see, realises how bullshit this conversation is, walks off to pour some wine, and she calls Jessica a whore. Jesus Christ! She then dismisses the mildling theory by saying it's not a popular theory on Reddit. Honey is a proper buzzkill by saying, you know, really going town on murdered kids. As Bonnie just wants to get pissed, doesn't want to deal with this shit. Jessen says that she starts doing ring around Rosie, spinning around over and over again and saying she murdered kids. It takes everyone a few goes to realise, hey, that's not a new hip song by, you know, new hip artist to everyone. Song for fucking Lady Gaga song. It's not I murdered kids, kids, I murdered kids, I murdered kids, kids, I murdered kids. I don't think that song's gonna take off. Anyway, Jessen falls down and she starts tripping balls. The men carry her to safety, as they do. Later on, Bonnie walks out of Jessen's room, pretends she's a doctor. And she chides Frank, Johan and Honey on Jessen's condition. And they're blamed for it. Frank admits they did some E, but it's just a little bit. He doesn't even think it worked because he's not high. And says he barely knows Jesson, so maybe she has murdered a kid or two. Joanne scolds him for accusing his fucking missus of doing that. Frank, very chagrined, asks me to see Jesson and is permitted. Later on, Joanne's fuming over something. such an arsehole. And he runs into a lion who's getting some beer. Joanne's very tired, and then a lion kisses him. She waits for three seconds to see if he'll snap or make some snide comment. He doesn't, so she softly kisses him again, and they start making out. And then one of the characters I've got the name of, Met, sees them. As Joanne starts screaming, Met, 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 and she flees. Joanne looks very concerned. On tape, Pesky says it was easy, as we cut Brome and hammering a whisk in some tablets. And then cut Holly staring at a picture of the family. And then cut to Oswald crying under a lamp like a big fat potato boy. And then Eriki loading a pistol. And then Broman drinking some more beer. Or whiskey and tablets. And then the episode ends. Well, that was certainly an episode. And now it's time for the end is epilogue. So, my thoughts on episode 2 of Black Lake is... I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it's really good. I mean, I'm getting a bit tired of the exploring thing. I get that sh every TV show tends to have a formula to it of some sort. But the thing is, they're exploring. They're not refining really anything. Like, not demon. It's such a small place that there's no logic for them not finding mystery sooner. Like, the cellar door happening to be shut sometimes and not shut other times. It's getting a bit irritating too, but I feel like it's going somewhere. I think it's more aggravated by the fact that I really want to know what's in the cellar. And we've only got eight episodes, so it feels like they're taking their time, a sweet time more than anything. But I, I'm liking the fact that it's moving quite quickly. Um, the stuff with Eriki, the Broman and Heskey stuff is really cool. Um, I like the tension, the fact that couples are splitting up early because... Honey and Johan's characters and actors have no chemistry, but she has chemistry with Guy Plays Justine, and Johan's actor has chemistry with the one who plays the lion, so I like the fact they're getting those mysteries. 
I like the fact that Jessen's such a distinctive character. Her and Frank will do drugs on a whim but without thinking about it and have to deal with repercussions. I love revealing that Jessen's doing the drawings. That's very cool, very creepy scene. And Oswald is just such a big fat potato boy. It's seriously, it's great. It's like the ultimate red herring. Eric is clearly fucked up in some way. Broman's looking eerily like Heskey, which is really cool. It's sort of like, what's going on there, you know? So I'm really looking forward to next week. I think so far that's two for two. Really enjoyed. Really looking forward to see when mysteries go because that Myling thing seems like bullshit. Because at the moment, nothing seems natural about this per se, except for uh, Jess and tripping balls. Like, that might be supernatural. It might be her being unable to take E. Because remember, Frank said it was infecting him. But is he lying, you know? Who knows? So I'm really looking forward to it um, next week to see what, what's going to happen. And I'm kind of like the fact that so far this doesn't have season two because it feels like hopefully it's all going to wrap up in season one. Anyway, I'll be back next week with episode three of Shadow TV Black Lake. Black Lake episode three even. But I also just want to say I start planning for next year. I'm doing more forward planning now. It's going to be a lot more cool events this year. Obviously this year... On 23rd of um, December, we're going to get a Nightmare on Christmas. So that'll be good, because um, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the first of the annual Frey Kruger live watches, I guess. So that's going to be amazing. And also, you know, we're going to get... I'm going to be doing um, the Black Lantern ones. They're going to take me through the rest of years way. And then at the start next year... The next movie episode we're going to do is a weekly episode. It's going to be Grave Encounters. Finally going to get back Grave Encounters E2. Antimonta versus um, Necron. That's going to be brilliant. It's going to take a while to do because I really want to do it justice. And also it's got such... The original got one of the highest hit rates of the show. And also just leave you a bit of good news. Um, as I'm recording this on Monday... I'm up 404 hits with an average of 22 per episode. So thanks everyone for listening. But I just want you all to know my goal for the end of this year might be unlikely, but I want to get to at least 500 hits by the end of the year. And if possible, maybe 1,000. It's unlikely, but who knows. Anyway, this is Ian Austin signing off for another week. And remember, life is beautiful.